Hi, my name is Tiffany Bova. Welcome to this episode of the What's Next podcast, where I have the pleasure of welcoming two guests this time. First is John Baird. He has been considered one of the premier executive coaches in Silicon Valley for over 25 years. He built his career coaching in the C-suite at companies ranging from Apple, Nike, to startups like DoorDash and Masterclass. He earned a PhD in organizational leadership from Purdue University. He is currently founder and chairman of the renowned executive coaching consultancy, Velocity. Along with him is Edward Sullivan. He has been coaching and advising startups and founders, Fortune 10 executives, and heads of state for over 15 years. His clients include executives from Google, Salesforce, Slack, two companies I know well, and dozens of other fast growth companies. He holds an MBA from Wharton and an MPA from the Harvard Kennedy School. Edward is CEO and president of the renowned executive coaching consulting firm Velocity. But more importantly, they have a new book out. Literally, I think it is today. So depending on when you are listening to this podcast, Leading with Heart, Five Conversations That Unlock Creativity, Purpose, and Results. Welcome to the show, John and Edward. Thank you, Tiffany. Great to be here. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm super excited. You know, I I always love having a conversation with someone on the podcast, right? But two someones, this is awesome because then we get twice as much mm-hmm. uh, content in the same amount of time. But before we dive in uh, to leading with heart, I'm going to start with the famous or infamous, depending, bullish and bearish. Uh, three short little questions. Bullish, you are for it. Bearish, you are against it. Are you ready? Ready. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start with you, John, and then Edward, you can chime in. First one. Artificial intelligence considered an employee, bullish or bearish? Um, I would say bearish. Okay. How about you, Edward? I would say bullish only in that there are certain aspects of uh, today's workflows that will be um, taken over by AI. And uh, we have to uh, think about that. All right. All right. The next one. Are you ready? Ready. All right. Purpose over profit, bullish or bearish? Mm, No question on that one. I mean, that's what leaders that are leading with heart do. They have to always step back and look at purpose. Uh, If they don't, it's it's like it will catch up to them. So profitable companies are purpose-driven companies. So I'm taking that. That's a bullish. That's a yes. That's a yes. (laughs) All right. All right. Edward, how about you? I would say we're uh, both bullish on that one. No argument there. All right. Next one. Uh, virtual reality training. Let's start with you, Edward. Virtual reality training, as in training your employees through yeah. the use of virtual reality? Yes. Uh, I think that we have to be bullish on that just because that's where things are headed. Um, and <clears throat> you know, the more you can take individuals who are working in different locations around the world and make them feel closer. That's a good thing. I'm very bullish on that. And I think that's one of the great uses for virtual reality in the future. All right. Over to you, John. Uh, Definitely bullish on that one. I mean, the companies we work with, particularly some of the work being done currently at Apple and other innovative companies, it's all about that. We have to embrace that opportunity. There may be challenges around it, but we will learn from that technology. Definitely bullish. All right. So you guys were in all agreement except 
the first one AI. So for another day, for a cup of coffee, when we're in person together, let's have that conversation. But let's dig right into the book because I want to start grounding this conversation. Look, I've had a number of, of amazing people on the show of late talking about this change in the way leaders should approach their jobs, right? And how they should run the companies. And a lot of it around this kind of people, heart, uh, the soft stuff that is, as we all know, the hard stuff. But I'd love, since both of you have been doing this for such a long time, if you could just give me maybe when you really noticed this chasm cross away from sort of profit, 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 right? <laughs> Effectiveness, efficiency, uh, productivity. And you started to see the conversation of heart, make it into more companies than the ones that, you know, the, the obvious ones that sort of began that way. Any, any, either one of you really, John or, or Edward, which, which, when did you sort of notice that turning of the corner? Hmm. Edward, do you want to jump into that one? Happy to, happy to. You know, I would say that we have noticed, we noticed that very early in our coaching work together, that more and more companies were interested in having the, the I like how you said that, the, the hard conversations about soft skills. And <clears throat> so that started probably seven, eight years ago when John and I began working together. It has become more and more important in the last few years, of course. Uh, everything through the through the pandemic and now, you know, there's so much turmoil in the world. Employees are really asking for and almost demanding more emotional consideration in the office, right? It can't all be about productivity, can't all be about performance. It has to also be about what do I as an employee need to get these things done for the company, right? Um, and we're in our work and in the book, but really trying to help leaders learn to have those conversations that don't come naturally, right? Leaders are always focused on what they need to get done. And we're helping them change the conversation to what do your employees need to get that done? Yeah. And I'd say, you know, if you look back, you know, somebody like a uh, Paul Pullman, right. From Unilever, like we're going to start talking about purpose, you know, and I'm not going to have earnings call that talk about profitability. And I was like, wait a minute, like, no, we just want to talk about this, you know? And, and I think that there has been, at least from the outside looking in, because I don't spend time coaching on this particular topic, obviously. But I think the business roundtable has been a place by which leaders have been able to group, you know, conjugate, if you will, with a common philosophy about this kind of purpose and heart and, and leadership that delivers a company that is greater than all these individuals. Uh, John, would you agree? I would. And you know, it's interesting because we, uh, we coach deeply with clients. And so through the years, and by that, I mean, Tiffany, we often kind of peel back the onion, so to speak, right? We get into feedback that uh, people give them, their boards give them, et cetera. And oftentimes some of the feedback is around just things that are not working with their style, with their approach, et cetera. Oftentimes it's a matter of just stepping back and reminding them because they get caught up right? With all the, the stock and the, the equity and the company being successful, they sometimes forget their purpose. They forget why they actually founded the company. So when you peel that back and you remind them and then help them remind their employees about that as well, talk about that, tell your story again, uh, it's very powerful. So um, 
we sometimes get um, clients when they are at a place where they're just reflecting, things often aren't working, it needs to work better, and we have an opportunity to sort of reestablish why they started the company. So often we get right back to purpose, and it's very powerful. Yeah, do you think that... Uh... Uh, you know, whenever I have similar conversations, once again, sort of about, oh, something is a cost center and do we look at it more, you know, differently? Do we start to think about employees as not kind of assets we move around, you know, that they're human beings? Um, I often hear back this, how do we measure the performance of heart and purpose and aligning people around the vision and values of a company? Have you found ways by which these leaders, what things they've been able to do to get people kind of over that hurdle, right? To understand why, the why behind maybe some of these conversations they hadn't heard in the past? Yeah, I, I think um, there's there's a lot to say about that one. I mean, most of our companies do engagement surveys. And it's interesting to look at the kinds of things that make a difference, uh, which causes people to be innovative, have the right conversations, to feel valued, um, also to stay in the company. Retention's a big index. And we find that people who lead with heart around establishing the why behind, you know, what's, what's the reason as to why this company exists and why are you there? And they connect that. People have to feel that their job actually connects with the, uh, the purpose, the values of the company. And when that isn't there, as the company scales and grows and even goes public, it, it, it isn't a way of retaining people. Retention is huge. I mean, when you have to hire new people, it costs a lot of money. So we do like, you know, uh, coaching leaders to connect with that purpose, those values. Uh, it does make a difference, I think, in all those things that are critical to success, particularly retention of employees. Edward, anything you'd add there? Yeah, I would just add on that, that I think it's really important for leaders to keep their finger on the pulse of the emotional wellness of their teams. Many leaders come to us and they, they express surprise when in the, th the 360 feedback we're getting about them and about the organization, they're surprised that people are burning out. They're surprised that people feel overworked. They're surprised that people feel unappreciated. And those leaders aren't simply aren't paying attention, right? There are we call them in the book, we call them tells, right? There are clear tells that people have, and we steal that from poker, the clear tells that signal to a leader that the organization is not emotionally healthy, right? Are people hoarding information? Are they triggered into fear? Are they um, getting um, tribal and uh, are politics entering into the conversation? Do they have that awkward artificial harmony where no one really speaks up in meetings? These are clear indications that the emotional health of the organization is at risk and the leader really needs to address that head on. Yeah, there's so much that you just said. You know, I, I often joke that um, that surprise to me is like a classic undercover boss experiment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like they spend five minutes at the beginning of Undercover Boss putting makeup on the executive. And I'm always like, it's such a waste of five minutes of good, expensive TV time because no one would recognize them anyway because they never leave their office, right? Because if they <laughs> left their office, it would not be a surprise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they would not be surprised. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the whole Tom Peters management by wandering around, you know, in search of excellence, like, 
getting that connection and looking for those tells virtually, mm. I think is so much harder, you mm -hmm. know, in establishing um, a relationship between the employee and the company, not just the leaders and sort of their team. And I, and I'd love to hear how this, and then we'll get into sort of the five key conversations because I think it's it's obviously the heartbeat of the book, but also uh, really important. But if if it's an individual contributor listening to this conversation and they're not a quote unquote people leader, mm -hmm. how do they apply some of these things we're talking about in their day to day? Right, they they don't have people who report to them, but they are a contributor. Mm. They want to be receptive and supportive as well. What do you say to those uh, individuals different than what you would say to leaders? Yeah. You know, I think that everyone in the company has a responsibility for everyone else's emotional health and what we need to do. And one of the purposes of the book is really to um, make conversations about emotional health much more common, make them less taboo. Right. Right now, most people believe when they show up at the office, they have to have some semblance of executive presence. Right. I'm supposed to be perfect. I'm supposed to not have needs. I'm supposed to not have emotions or anything else going on in my life. I'm just here to do a job. And our goal with this book is to shatter that whole idea. Right. To help people come to the office as emotional beings to show up, <clears throat> pardon me, to show up and support each other. And that can begin with ICs, right? And if I, as an individual, see a teammate who is struggling, it is my obligation and is my duty to be of service to that individual and help them have a conversation about their emotions, help them talk about what's going on and help them broach the topic with our boss if it is the unreasonable deadlines and the um, you know, sometimes toxic leadership style that is causing us to burn out. I think it connects a lot, Tiffany, with you know peers and teams supporting each other. And we have this exercise that we do that's, that's called the temperature checking, the, the temperature reading of the group. And it's one that we often use at offsites that we do, but this can be used in any Zoom meeting, just asking people, so where are you right now? Uh, how are you feeling about just where you are? What's working for you? What isn't working for you? What's on your mind right now? What are you hopeful about? What would you want for each of your teammates today as we go forward with this day or this week? We have this big deadline coming up. What would you want for so-and-so? And I would bring that individual contributor into the space if possible, because they are part of that team. So we generate lots of ways that we sort of force that a little bit to happen. But when you do that, boy, lots comes out. Um, sometimes you can't deal with it all in the conversation, but they will offline. And knowing that about their partners and their peers, I think it makes a big difference. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's um, acknowledging that someone's behavior is drastically different than it normally is. Like, wow, they're really responsive. Yeah. I haven't heard from them in a week. Or mm -hmm. they always put their hands up to do a project and they haven't been volunteering lately. Like when you notice a behavior change, yeah. to your point, Edward, right? I see. I see so-and-so is doing something way out of character. I'm going to touch base with them. And I think it's super important to do that. Now, uh, let's jump into the book. So I'm going to give everybody sort of the sort of six sections of the book, but then we're going to go into the key conversations, but just so you can get a feel for what, what you can, can uh, gather from it. First one is what do you need to be at your best? Which I think everyone wants to show up and be their best. Um, next, what fears are holding you back? 
Next, what desires drive you and which might derail you? What are your greatest gifts? Love that because I think superpowers are, are really important. Uh, what is your purpose, which we've been talking a lot about, and helping your company lead with heart? Um, those sections uh, sound like a great coaching session. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Call me crazy. <laughs> yeah, each one really is. I mean, there was somebody who read the book, Tiffany, that said, I feel like I'm in the room you know, being coached. And actually we wrote the book, right, Edward? So that you could almost feel like you're in the room. And because a lot of our work is very transformational, I mean, it's very difficult to really change behavior, particularly with stars. We work with a lot of people who have done it this way for a long time and they've gotten credit. And now it's like, we've got to work on these other elements that are part of this. So um, yeah, it's like you're in the room with the coaches, very much so. Is there any one of those six that you think are the hardest for people to work through? I mean, I'll jump in here. You know, John, um, we've spoken a lot about um, how difficult it can be for people to overcome their fears, right? And um, and the fear chapter we've gotten the most feedback on. There may be even a second book there just on fears, right, John? Uh, because <laughs> that is the next you, book. <laughs> <laughs> When you, when you look across organizations and you see, if you see toxic behavior, if you see people not treating each other well, if you see, um, you know, people trying to take credit, et cetera, all that behavior is really motivated by fear, isn't it? All the negative behavior we see in the workplace is motivated by um, people feeling insecure about their, their place, not getting enough credit, not getting recognition. And that fear really, it stems from not getting their needs met. And that's why we start off the book with talking about getting our needs met because people who feel like they're getting their needs met, they have much less reason to feel fearful. Well, I think, you know, I can only talk about myself in, I'm always, you know, early in my career and I started to move into leadership management. Let me say management. Let me not say leadership because I think there's two different things. Yeah. I don't know if you agree, but as I was moving into management, I'd say there wasn't a lot of support in that transition from an individual contributor to our manager. So like mm -hmm. individually bad habits I might've had, I just transferred into managing and then I managed people to have my bad habits <laughs> like, <you> know, because <laughs> I didn't know any better. That's interesting. It's like a parenting, right? We sort of become like our parents, right? <laughs> Even the, um, you know, it's interesting, Edward, that the thing around fears, I, I think that is a chapter that does resonate a lot. I also very much like the gifts chapter. I do. I think we often don't step back and be able to say, what are our gifts and remind ourselves of what they are. We also talk in the book, uh, Tiffany, about overdone strengths or overdone gifts, right? You can sort of use them to a point that it's not really productive. And then do you, in fact, you know, recognize the gifts of others? And I'm reminded of the example, we call this this uh, gratitude moment, where a, a CEO actually created this exercise where every one of his team meetings, he has one of the team members uh, give feedback to the other members of the group, something positive. He calls it a gratitude moment. Each week, a different person is assigned. So in between the time they have to show up, they have to find something <laughs> positive about their peer. And... He said it's been amazing, the result of that. They're working better together. They're learning about each other. It takes no more than about you know five to seven minutes. It's a popcorn kind of thing, 
but people love the fact they're hearing positive feedback from their peers. Absolutely. I mean, it feels like you only hear hear from you know your boss or your counterpart when there's some bad news on the other end of exactly. the email or the Slack or the phone, yes. right? Yes. Um, it's gift. It's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. And when you when you think about these having conversations, uh, I, I know that you have identified in the book these kind of handful um, that the most effective leaders. Uh, kind of have with their teams. And I'd love for you, if you don't mind, to go to go through them. Because, you know, I, I think that part of the uncertainty of this, as I said um, a few minutes ago, around what's the return on this kind of investment? I, I'd love to hear that. But before we jump into that return, I think part of it also is, I don't even know where to begin. Like, where do I start? What's the first place I go to start to make this transition myself so that even that example you just uh, gave, John, about that show gratitude in the moment, like something just that small, but not everyone knows where to begin. What? How do you sort of get them to get started? Mm-hmm. You know, John, I'll take uh, I'll take yeah. a stab at this one. I we wrote the book in in order, right, going from needs through purpose, and the reason we did that is because people who aren't getting their needs met are not really able to tap into their gifts. They're more likely to be triggered into fear. They are having a hard time to connect with their purpose. So we start with this conversation of getting your needs met. And I think the conversation really begins with the leader asking the question, what do you need to feel at your best? What do you need to feel creative? What do you need to feel resourceful? What do you need to do a great job on this project? And most people say, most people think the leader is asking, oh, do I need more headcount? Do I need more money? Do I need um, other work resources? But we're actually asking the question, what do you need as a human being to be able to show up and be resourceful? And in that chapter, we outline you know, the three main categories of needs. We have our physical needs. A lot of leaders, a lot of people today, not getting their physical needs met. They're not sleeping well. They're not eating well. They're not exercising, especially during covid Everyone was just sitting inside drinking red wine every night. You know, like we're really trying to break out of these bad habits we've gotten into over the last couple of years and focus on getting our physical needs met and being very purposeful around that. The second category of needs is our emotional needs. People need to feel psychologically safe. They need to feel uh, like they are being recognized, that they're being affirmed, that they're valued. And, you know, as you said already a couple of times, Tiffany, um, leaders aren't focusing much on making their people feel valued. They're focusing more on things that need to get done for the business. So we want to flip the script there. We want to say, leaders, start with what your teams need before you ask of them what you need from them. And then the third category of needs is um, environmental needs, something very few people think about. But if you're in a beautiful, well-lit, well-aerated place, well-ventilated, um, if you're surrounded by um, interesting, smart people, right? That makes you more creative. That makes you want to do better work, right? If you're um, in a dark space, no ventilation, weird buzzing noises from lights overhead, your nervous system is not set up to be to be creative, not set up to make you feel good. People wonder why they're just filled with anxiety when they're working in really ugly spaces all the time. So we talk a lot about helping people define what it is they need at those three levels to feel resourceful and creative. And then the rest of the book flows out of that, talking about fears and desires, gifts and purpose. 
Amazing. I, and and, yeah. and I think there's a lot to be said. You know, I, I remember early in the pandemic, um, I was driving through like kind of like fourth week where everything was pretty much still shut down. I mean, like they hadn't yet defined needed to be open kind of places. So it was still really shut down. Mm. And I was driving to a, you know, a, a Rite Aid, sort of a, you know, local pharmacy and uh, store that was still open. And the parking lot was packed in front of the Starbucks. And I was totally confused because I knew Starbucks was not open, right? But lo and behold, I see all these people sitting in cars with their kids and they were sniffing the free Wi-Fi because they didn't actually have Wi-Fi at their homes or high-speed internet at their homes, right? So going back to environment, like just because we're in a well-lit place or whatever and we're working from home and it's really comfortable doesn't mean everybody else on our team has got the same environment. So they want to go back to the office potentially because they want that kind of creative space because where they potentially mm -hmm. live doesn't have all the, you know, luxuries that mm -hmm. an office has, mm -hmm. you know, a printer, yeah. you know, a, a yeah. soda machine, a coffee machine, high speed internet, a comfortable chair, like mm -hmm. those things. So those basic you know, needs. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. So I, I think that we, it goes back to paying attention, right. To, yeah. to what's going on in your team. So I want to make sure I go back to that kind of return on this investment of leading with heart. I'm wondering if you have done any work around, I don't want to say proving because that I'm using air quotes mm. here, right? Proving that there's benefit to do this besides the obvious human side of it, but on the financial benefit side of it, how do you have those conversations with companies and leaders? Yeah, I, I think that's a very important question. And uh, I think when you look at uh, why people are leaving uh, Tiffany organizations uh, and the migration is still happening, people are still leaving their jobs. It's not about, particularly in Silicon Valley, but I think across the country, it's not about salary so much. It's really about culture. It's about the fact that people are not really feeling heard. The environment doesn't feel safe for them. They're not feeling valued. Uh, so that sort of migration makes a difference in the bottom line. And so loyalty to companies is very, very important. And the big factor that, that Everett and I see is that people often don't feel valued or heard. So in the book, we talk about empathy. Empathy is that card. You know, talk about a card that impacts sort of bottom line, it's empathy. It's if people feel heard and are able to sort of express how they feel and feel safe doing it, uh, and the environment is trusting, it makes a huge difference. Those teams do well, they're productive, they get products out, <laughs> they want to stay on that team, they value the individual leader, they want to work for that particular individual, and as a result, that has bottom line results. So empathy is hard. I mean, think about you know, how empathy is you know, really uh, difficult to actually manifest. I mean, um, it's not just hearing people, but it's peeling back the onion. What are they really saying? What do they need? People find it really challenging to be able to actually empathize in the right kind of way. Yeah. And so once again, all great. What's the financial return? So there have been a number of studies that we uh, detail in the book as well that show that um, there's a direct correlation between people feeling psychologically safe and having um, better business outcomes. There's a direct correlation between people feeling like they are um, appreciated and recognized and staying in their posts, right? And if, and as John, are, as John was laying out, 
right? If retention right now is one of the most important factors for success in a business and replacing employees is so expensive now, right? Keeping folks in their seats is good for business. And how do you keep people, folks in their seats? You appreciate them. You make yeah. them feel good. Yep. Really simple. Yeah. I, and, and listen, I'm, I'm pushing back on purpose, right? Because yeah. like yeah. having this yeah. conversation, it's so interesting. You know, I, I, I've been um, heads down in some, some research over the last couple of years now on the connection between employee experience and customer experience. Hmm. And if your employees are happy, you know, your customers are happy. No new big, wow, never thought of that before. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's sort of an obvious, but actually tying it causation to the financial side. And my, the pushback I get when I sort of shared the research was, if it's so obvious, why, is no, why do not more people do it? If it's so obvious and it has such great returns, why isn't everyone taking advantage of it? You know, it's this sort of like, okay, yeah, okay, so now what, right? I get all the reasons why not versus why all the reasons yes. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, yeah. that initial, to your point, what you said, John, right? You've got very successful leaders who have sort of done this, what they've done in the past and it's kind of status quo and let's keep doubling down there. Well, I think this is the first time, at least in my you know career, um, that we've had a global disruption simultaneously, and 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 really, there's nothing that's the same. I mean, mm -hmm. it might be a half a percent different to it's eighty percent different, but there's still a difference, right? And so, yeah. uh, but the pushback of of all the reasons why not, I wonder mm -hmm. if you hear that as well. Uh, yeah, I, th I think we do. I think another thing, as you were talking, you just maybe think a little bit about the, the leaders that we work with. They are much more vulnerable right now. There's there's a lot of things that are out of their control, right? There's some things that are in their control, but some things that are out. I mean, the world, the economy, uh, but they can control. And they're also hurting a lot of them. They're, I mean, we get them at, at times in which they're just lots of pressures, Lots of anxiety. They're just, uh, as Edward said, their needs are not being met personally. They're working just constant hours. The board is putting pressure on. This is when they need to step back and be able to say, what can I do to make a difference here? And sometimes it's being vulnerable yourself and expressing some of those things that you're experiencing and allowing others to express some of the same fears. This is the kind of the fear chapter because we know that you know reciprocity sort of breeds that reciprocity. And that brings out all kinds of things about the team, about the business, about the product, about the customers. People just start talking uh, because people are fearful of things. We're not doing this exactly right. You know, how are you doing this right? That ends up actually resetting expectations, resetting goals, uh, and also making deadlines and being more accountable to each other. Those are all bottom line results that I really see happening as we speak. Well, this has been such a fantastic conversation. You know, I could keep going as I, as I hope you guys could as well. But just to the listeners, John Baird, Edward Sullivan, authors of a new book, Leading with Heart, Five Conversations that Unlock Creativity, Purpose, and Results. I just want to thank you both for joining me on the What's Next podcast today. But I'd love to also give you an opportunity to share how people can keep in touch with you, your work, and just make sure they, they, if they're looking to go on this journey, they have a way to do it with you guys. So, so what's your recommendation for them to keep in touch? Absolutely. They can get in touch with us uh, through the book website, which is leadingwithheartbook.com. And if anyone out there is looking for coaching services, you can find us at velocitycoaching.com. Amazing. Well, thank you both. Thank you, John. Thank you, Edward, for thank joining you. me today on the What's Next podcast. 
Uh, enjoy all the success of your book and thanks for coming and sharing the launch day with us here today. Thanks, Tiffany. Thank you very much for having us. What a great conversation, leading with heart. Sounds so simple, so complicated to do in real life. But I think if you take that opportunity to listen for those signals of teammates, of peers, of colleagues, I think those clear tells that say something's wrong requires us to reach out and make sure we're taking care of those people around us. But also as leaders, making sure we show up in an authentic way to help our people confront their fears, what's holding them back, create an environment where teams are just set up for success. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave your feedback, subscribe, share with your friends. Always, always looking forward to hearing from you about what really resonated. But thank you for joining us on this edition of the What's Next podcast. My name's Tiffany Bova. We'll see you again next time.